everybody, Dean Castronova from Journey and Revolution Saints, and you are listening to Trent on Thunder Underground. Crank it up, people. Welcome to episode 375 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always, and as you heard right there in that opening, we have got a great one this week. Dean Castronovo is here on the podcast. The drummer of Journey, the drummer and vocalist of Revolution Saints, a member of Bad English. The list is great and long of this man's discography, this man's studio work, the bands he's been a part of. I'm a huge fan of Dean and a good majority of everything he's ever done. So we're going to talk to him very shortly for a great conversation that is right under an hour long. So can't wait to jump into this one. But before we do, I need to let you know who we're sponsored by. That would be DEB Concerts, concert promoter based right here in the Tulsa area, who has brought tons of great acts to our area here in downtown Tulsa. Bands like Saxon, Last in Line, L.A. Guns, Tom Kiefer, Buck Cherry, Lita Ford, even stuff to the arena down here at the BOK Center in Tulsa, like Lamb of God, Megadeth, Ice Cube, Snoop D.O.W.G., and so much more. DEB Concerts also books the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year, of course, is no exception. The lineup for Rocklahoma was announced a few weeks ago. And the DEB-sponsored Roadhouse stage features four nights, four days of action, starting with the Thursday night pre-party, which takes place on the Roadhouse stage. That will be headlined by Warrant, couple members of that band have been on this podcast before. The other three nights will be headlined by Buck Cherry. Josh Todd has been on this podcast before. Kicks, one of the greatest live bands you'll ever see. And every member of that band has been on this podcast, all at once, of course, but... And finally, Skid Row. No one from Skid Row has been on this podcast, unfortunately, but I'm guessing that will change one day. LA Guns will also be on that Stage as well. Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns have been on this podcast before and again very soon. So, enough with saying who's been on this podcast. DEB Concerts on Twitter and Facebook is at DEB Concerts. Follow them on the socials so you don't miss any updates on upcoming stuff. We, of course, keep you updated here as well. And we appreciate DEB Concerts for everything they do. Sunset Tattoo. A tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper, they're state licensed, and they are mother approved. 25 plus years of experience from Jason Thompson, and you can see a collection of the Sunset Tattoo work on their socials. Facebook and Instagram are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Tons of great styles that they specialize in. I've had tattoo work done by Jason Thompson. I love it. I know many other people that have as well. And I'm sure I will again here in the near future. And hopefully you will too. So if you give Sunset Tattoo a call or a message, you can set up a time to go in there, sit down and talk about what work you're looking to have done. They also accept walk-ins. So drop by Sunset Tattoo and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. Finally, we've got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Air, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway right past Onita Road, 
can't miss them. They've got a drive-through, which is a great convenient thing that many dispensaries don't have. If you call or text your order ahead of time, you can zip right through that drive-through and be on your way. You can also check out their large selection at leafly.com. You can go in anytime and talk to one of their many knowledgeable staff. They are cannabis with a cause. That means 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters. Such an amazing cause. Nearly a third of their pro- proceeds at all times are going to help out animals and build no-kill animal shelters. Also, follow them on our socials. MedFarm, that's P-H-A-R-M on Facebook. MedFarm OK on Instagram. The website is MedFarmOK.com. And if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. You can't beat that. So drop by MedFarm and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. Alright, so just jumping in to the Dean Castronovo talk here, because, like I said, this interview with Dean is almost an hour long. Right on, like, 55, 58 minutes. Not that you care, but, you know, it's great. You know, a lot of times, you know, you do these interviews, and especially in-person ones, you know, when a band's touring, it's hard to get, you know, every once in a while you get a long one, and on Zoom, it's a little bit easier, but sometimes these guys are doing other interviews, and they've got schedules to work with, but Dean had a day off from the Journey Tour, and sat down and talked to me, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about, Dean was a member of Bad English, they released two albums, John Waite was on this podcast last year, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but Dean goes into, you know, a little bit more you know, a little bit detail about his time and his thoughts on it. And that was the beginning of his journey working. Look at that. Pun intended. The beginning of his journey working with Neil Sean, who brought him into audition for Bad English. And from that point on, he went and joined Hardline with Neil Sean as well. Jonathan Kane from Journey was also in both of those bands. And man, if, if they were in Hardline for the first album, and that song, Hot Sheree, their cover of that song is just f- fucking amazing. It's one of the best songs of the early 90s, in my opinion. Doesn't get the the love, I think, that it should, like, as an all-time classic. But, you know, that's just me. But great stuff there in the early days. Then Dean joined Ozzy Osbourne and released, he played the drums on Osmosis. Which is an album that I know kind of, you know, people were divisive about back then. I don't know where people stand these days. I haven't really talked to people about Osmosis recently, but I absolutely love that album when it came out. I know it was kind of ballad heavy, but it's just, you know, it's a cool album I go back to a lot. Got to see that tour a couple times. You know, Dean was with Ozzy, I think, for a couple years around that point. And then, as he talks about here in the interview... Not long after that is when he ended up working with joining Journey in like 98. And he was there from 98 to about 2015, I think. And then he came back in 2021. So the better part of the last 25 years, he's been there close to 20 years with Journey. But, you know, just random stuff we talk about. He was also a part of the band GZR. If that is something that you're not familiar with and you like metal. You need to dig back and check that out. Back in the mid-90s, Geezer Butler put this band together. 
with Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory. You know, and right there alone, you got the vocalist of Fear Factory and Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath, the bassist of Black Sabbath and the writer from Black Sabbath. You know, one of the all-time, all-time great musicians in history, in my opinion. And then they, they brought in Dean to play the drums. And then that leads into something else I ask about. Dean played on a Fear Factory song not that long ago, a few years ago. So there's that connection again. He played some on... I noticed like when I was just digging through his credits, just seeing if there's something I didn't know about. He played some on Hole's album Celebrity Skin, which I'm also a big fan of. He's played with Steve Vai, Tony McAlpine, Paul Rogers, some of the greatest musicians of all time. You know, I just listed those guys. The guys from Journey. Everybody that I've talked about so far, but I haven't mentioned the fact that now he's had a band for the past, I think, eight years or so. Maybe six, seven, eight years. Revolution Saints put out, or maybe it's almost ten years now. I need to, I should have looked up the, the year the first album came out. But Revolution Saints formed with Dean Castronovo, Doug Aldrich on guitar, and Jack Blades on bass. Dean Ca- and you would think Jack Blaze is in a band. He's the vocalist. No, Dean Castronova is the vocalist. Amazing voice from this guy. He's been doing backups his whole career. And if you've ever paid attention to Journey, if you've seen him live, if you've listened to the more modern studio albums from the past 20 years, Dean sang three or four songs on a couple of the Journey studio albums. And live, Dean always sings Mother Father. I believe he sings Still They Ride sometimes. A couple other songs that'll come here and there. And he's been doing that since he joined the band in 98. And this guy has an exceptional voice. You have to, obviously, if you're singing a Journey song with Steve Perry, one of the greatest vocalists of all time. And that's what Dean goes into. But that, but bringing us back to Revolution Saints, they released three albums. Fantastic melodic rock in the vein of Journey. And then there was a bit of a hiatus, and then now they're back with a new album coming out here next week. Actually, excuse me, two weeks, I believe. It's April 21st. And coming back, of course, we still got Dean on drums and vocals. But now he's got Jeff Pilson on bass and Joel Hoekster on guitar. Two more phenomenal musicians. And this album's a little bit heavier, a little bit more, I mean, it's not heavy in a heavy metal sense. It's still melodic rock, but that's something that Dean goes into, why it kind of shifted that way. It's still got, you know, amazing choruses, amazing guitar work, of course, amazing drums. It's just, just a great band, a great project that has been going on for a while that if you haven't heard and you're into anything like Journey or AOR or Melodic Rock, this band does it at the highest level. So I'm really hoping to see them, you know, to see them play some shows. That's something else that Dean talks about, the possibility of that. But so much here to talk about, so let's just jump into it. Here is Dean Castronovo of Revolution Saints and Journey. Thank you. 
the main topic at hand, which is Revolution Saints, Eagle Flight. Yep. You know, is about to come out. I mean, you've already released four singles. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's band change, but how do you, how would you describe the progression of this from the first three albums to someone? Well, you know, everybody uses the cliche, you know, it's heavier. Oh, it's heavier. Yeah. Well, I got to say, it's definitely a, a darker, it's not so journey-esque. If you know what I mean, you know, uh, where the last records were a little bit more pop rock, you know, a little bit more like like Journey, Forder, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, this kind of went on a, a little a little darker, heavier turn, which is I love personally because I can get away from trying to be Steve Perry. You know, I mean, I, I obviously I, I got that that sound. And um, I think with this record, I get to sing more like me. You know, I'm actually doing what what I feel was, you know was more me and not trying to hit the astronomically high notes and, and uh, you know, all the Perryisms and stuff that, you know, I mean, Steve Perry was my favorite singer, so I can't help but be like that. But, um, you know, just being more me, you know, and I think with, with Jeff and Joel, uh, it brings a little grittier, you know, a little heavier vibe to the stuff. You know, I, I like it a lot, bro. I really do. Cause I don't have to be, you know, I'm already in journey. I don't want to do another journey band. You know what I mean? So right. it's kind of nice to just kind of do a departure and try to find me as a vocalist. Cause I, you know, I'm new at this. I, you know, I've been playing drums for years and, and the lead singer thing, maybe 10 years now I've been doing it, you know, 10 or maybe 15 years, not very long. So I'm learning still a ton. And um, I, I just, I think it, for me, it's a great departure because now I don't have to do, you know, we don't sound like, well, this is a great, you know, alternative to Journey. If you love Journey, you'll love this. It's like, this is completely different, which I really love. I really love it. Speaking on that, was it a concerted effort at the beginning to kind of make it similar to Journey or was that just kind of the way that happened? And like with the first I album? Was, I think the way Serafino saw it is because yeah. Journey's like Serafino from, you know, Frontiers. This is, that's his favorite band. He loves Journey. Okay. And, uh, you know, he'd come to Journey shows when we were in, in, in Europe and stuff. And, and that's when he approached me to do a solo record you know, because he loved my voice because I, I was very similar to, to Barry. So he kind of built the band around that sound, you know, uh, with Doug, who's an amazing player, and, and Jack being a Night Ranger. I mean, you know, it, the, the pop sensibility was there, but still had some rock, you know, had some gritty edge to it. But, um, yeah, it was it was more like, well, let's do, you know, Dean sounds great doing this kind of stuff. So let's let's just mold stuff around him. And it worked out great. Um, and I loved all the records I did with Doug and Jack. I mean, they're incredible records and such amazing players and, and great people. Um, but it was refreshing to to hear the songs that that were written and going, yeah, man, I can sink my teeth into this and and not have to do the my, 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 whoa, whoa stuff. You know what I mean? I can yeah. do me and, and try to find me. So, yeah, it, it was I think it was molded that way, but it's morphed into this this other thing that I really uh, enjoy. I, I really love it. With the band having kind of been an established thing with three albums, was it daunting to kind of move forward with two other guys, no matter how you know great musicians they were? Well, no, I think that everybody just, the schedules, man. Everybody's schedules are so busy. Doug's got his projects and Jack's got Night Ranger and, and you know, me now with Journey. And, you know, it's just been, it's like, how do we get this together? And I, we always wanted to play live, but never could find the time to play live. And um, one show. We we did one two one little show and one little thing at um uh, like a little acoustic thing at Frontiers Fest. But you know, with this band, uh, you know, I was talking to Jeff and, and Joel, and I think it was like, well, 
you know, if now that we got new guys and and let's see how schedules work, but I want to do this. I got I got enough time to you know journey maybe works five months out of the year, so I got another you know six months to seven months to just do other things. So we are definitely going to do shows, and I think that's what was the case with with Doug and Jack. We just never had the time, man. You know, we just didn't have it. So for for us, this new band, it was it wasn't like, well, let's get new guys. I mean, Doug and Jack were like, well, we're just too busy. And and at me, I was like, well, God, I'm busy too. I mean, I got Journey and stuff, but I'll fit it in. So all these this new record was like put into place right after I got off the uh, the 2021. We did about eight shows in 2021 in a residency with Journey, and I had about I think 20 days to do the records. So I did I did two of the new records. I did uh, Eagle Flight, and there's another one already in the can, ready to go. We yes. did all those records in, in 20 days. Yeah, so I did my drum tracks in like both records, 23 songs in did the tracks in six days, all drum tracks in six days, and then did the vocals on the first record, got that one done, and then just finished the vocals. Uh, it was in January. Uh, just finished the, the vocals for this this other one that's after Eagle Flight. That'll be out after Eagle Flight. So those songs are done, and it was nice to just go in and just plow that stuff, but that was the time that we had. So it was like, well, let's just plow. Let's just go in, and I ended up doing the vocals on the second one and went right on the road with Journey like a day later. So it wow. was like, <laughs> yeah, a little fried, but it was great, man. I think I, I couldn't talk. I had sang nine days, sung, singed, whatever it was, nine days straight. So my voice was like, <sighs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so is that something, I mean, I, I assume you're going to put some space in it, like an album cycle worth of space, like a year or two, or what's the plan? Yeah, the, we're probably end up, the, well, this one, you know, hasn't even been released yet. It's coming out yeah. soon. So once it's released, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm Brain, everybody's got some time. Well, we're definitely going to do Europe. I mean, I don't think America really, I hate to say cares, but you know, that, our kind of stuff just doesn't go over here anymore. So, but Europe, man, they love it. So we're going to do shows over there. No, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, like a week's worth of shows and go home for a month and do some festivals or whatever, but we're going to do some shows. And then I would imagine next year that this, the second, you know, what is it? Revolution Saints uh, 2.0. We'll do the second record, have that one come out. And then I've got to finish the third one. There's a third one coming up now too. That is, uh, we're going to start in August of this year. So we'll have three records ready to go, man. We get one and then we got two more ready to go. So, and then we're hoping like, okay, we don't have to record. We don't have to do anything. Let's go play. Yeah. So that's that's the beauty of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good. Yeah. Well, one of the things you mentioned was the heavier sound, and that kind of jumped out to me, which I thought was unique because when I think of Doug Aldrich and Joe Holkstra, I think Doug's a little bit of a heavier player. So kind of like how did that come to be? Like was did Joel just naturally do that, or did you guys kind of suggest that route? or? Well, I think that Sarah, or, uh, Alessandro Devecchio, who's, who's like, he's like our fourth member. He's yeah. such an integral part of the Revolution Saints sound. And he and Joel were actually writing stuff together, which was really cool. And they had a couple outside writers, a couple guys from Sweden, I believe. And um, I think that was just the natural thing because, you know, Joel being in White Snake, he's just got that thing. Even though Doug was in White Snake and could write much heavier stuff, he really wasn't allowed to to do much with that because Alessandro, they have that, let's be Journey. Let's sound like Journey. So I don't think he had the freedom that I think he really wanted and could have, oh, okay. he could have shined like a mother on that stuff. But, you know, with Joel, I think Joel just has got that, that guitar vibe and it worked out good to where Alessandro was like, well, let's write together. And they came up with this stuff and love it. Just love it. 
So yeah. pretty cool. Do you like it, man? What do you think of the record? I mean, I, I'm interviewing you. What do you think of it? <laughs> no, yeah, I love it. That kind of, like you said, it jumped out to me and it, it, I listened to it two or three times in a row and it wasn't until the second or third time that it really hit me what you were talking about with your voice. I'm like, yeah, he's singing a little bit different, not different, but just not as, like you said, high pitched, you know, hitting those notes and, you know, and it gave it that kind of more, not, not that the first three albums weren't serious, but more of a serious kind of bigger sound, yeah. you know? Yeah. I hate to say heavier, but I it, it is. It's a little heavier. And, yeah. you know, I, Steve Perry was one of my hugest influences vocally. But I also loved, I love Paul Stanley as a vocalist and Ronnie Dio. Those were my three guys, man. So, you know, I loved Ronnie in the early days, you know, with Rainbow. And, and just everything that he did was just so, ah, you know, beautiful <laughs> melody and great sense of melody. But, man, he built it. And so, I, you know, I'm kind of like a mishmash of those three guys. And, um yeah, it, it's nice not to, you know, thank God I can still hit that high stuff, but it's nice to be able to say, well, if we do do shows, I'm not going to kill myself every night, you know, right. and, and wonder, oh, God, tonight I don't have it. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I'm playing drums, I can do that all day long, man. That's my day job. I love that. But this damn thing is fickle. And right. you know how that could be, man. One day you're killing the next day. It's like, I can't speak. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of being a singer. I love it. But it's like, I'm not disciplined, man. You know, like Arnell, our singer in Journey, dude, disciplined. Everything is, you know, I do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. I smoke cigarettes and I love Red Bull and I'm, you know, <laughs> I don't take care of it. So, you know, I just don't like the discipline part of it, but great and thankful that I'm able to get through it, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking on your voice, like when did you, have you been singing your whole life or is that something you started like 10 years ago, like you said? Because I can't imagine you had that great of a voice to show up, you know, later in life. But I... well, it was when I was 11, I was in a band uh, okay. called The Enemy and I was playing with guys that were 22, 23 years old. I was 11 and they brought me, literally brought me infinity and, and said, you know, I want you to learn these songs and, and try and sing it because they knew I hadn't reached puberty. I had a high voice. They figured, you know, he should be able to pull this off. <laughs> and so I started listening to Barry. He be, instantly became my my god of vocals. So um, I started singing lead in that band and then progressed. And then I, I joined a metal band called Wild Dogs. So I was just doing backgrounds then. Bad English, just backgrounds, hardline backgrounds, uh, Paul Rogers backgrounds. You know, I, I wasn't a lead singer until until Journey happened. Uh, and they were like, well, you know, we need to give Stevie, Steve Ajiri a break, you know, give him a little time. So why don't you sing Mother Father, you know, uh, where were you? Get, sing some of the songs, just to give, give him a breather. And that's when that happened. So I started singing for them. They're like, damn, man, he sounded a lot like Perry. I'm like, well, he's my favorite, you know. I, <laughs> so that's kind of how that happened. And and it's slowly progressed into that. Well, because I always loved his singing. So and Journey, man, I mean, I wanted to be in two bands when I was growing up. These are kids. Or journey, and thank God it was journey because I look like in spandex. I do not look good in spandex, so <laughs> that worked out really good, man. Really, really right. good. So that that was kind of I just became a lead lead singer by by happenstance. Really, it was just like, well, dude, give him a break, sing something, you know. And that's it, it's kind of progressed from there. Like, say you play these shows, like you talked about with Rev Saints. Like, is it is it weird for you, like standing on stage singing and not playing drums, or like? since you've been yeah, doing dude. that the majority of your life, you know? <laughs> well, I, I like playing behind the drum, singing behind the drum kit. Cause I got kind of like, a, it's my little fortress. Yeah. It's my gun turret kind of, I can hide behind that. I did the front man thing one time, bro. And, and that one show we did, and I was scared to death, man. It's, yeah. it's frightening, you know, and I've done this. I've said this in interviews, you know, the movie Tal Talladega nights, right. Where yeah. Ricky Bobby's like doing the interview and he's 
<laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands, bro. <laughs> and so I'm on stage and I'm like, what do I do? You know, when we did these videos, first time I've ever been in front doing these videos. So I'm like, oh God, okay, Lord, you're going to have to show me what to do here because I have no freaking clue what I'm going to do. So, you know, I'm doing my arm things and it's like, well, he's playing drums, it looks like. I mean, I didn't know what to do. So it's uncomfortable being in front. I But I want to learn it. I want to, I figure if I don't give that a shot, I'll regret it. I'm going to try, you know? If I look too stupid, I'm sure somebody's going to do it. You might want to just, you know, I, you know, I got to admit though, Paul Stanley, sweetest man in the world. Um, I sent him the video and I said, dude, this is my first time lead singing, being a front man. God help me. You know? And, and he had amazing suggestions. I'm like, dude, I agree. You know? And he was like, you know what? You're singing powerful. You need a mic stand. You need to hold on to something, man. He goes, I got my guitar and you, you know, you're used to playing drums. You got that when you're singing. He goes, this is not, this ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I adore Paul for being honest and 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 giving me that advice and he was right. It's like you know what I need a mic stand. So the the next videos we ever do, if we ever do any more, damn it, give me a mic stand, give me something to hold on to. I, I'm not yeah. going to stand there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't work, man. Doesn't work. So God bless you, Paul. Thank you for the for the advice. Yeah. I mean, he's the best frontman on the planet, in my opinion. He is the best frontman on the planet. Nobody touches him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a bad boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well speaking on you know drumming and singing when you've done these videos kyle's the drummer is he like who's gonna be drummer when you play live you think or is that decided Wait, or you know I, I, I asked him bro and that's really cool that you asked about kyle kyle's yeah. amazing the man can do anything he's he's far surpassed me not only as a drummer but the man writes songs and and uh sings plays bass uh he, he plays everything you know i think he, he picked up a guitar and within six months was learning the, you know, the sweeps, the arpeggio. I'm like, how did you do that? He goes, you watch YouTube. I'm like, God, where was YouTube when I was young? You know what <laughs> I mean? And he just picked this stuff up. I asked him if he would play. He goes, you know, Dad, it's just it's not my thing. I just want to be home and write, write songs. And so he's writing stuff and 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 sending stuff out. We're hoping he sends some stuff in um, uh, to uh, his publishing company to uh, present to Liam Gallagher. He loves Oasis. I'm a huge Oasis fan too. And I love Liam. I think he's brilliant. And not only as a person, but what a great vocalist. So he, he submitted some stuff. Who knows if it'll happen, but he, he wants to go in that direction. He wants to write, but he likes being home. You know, he, he did the, the thing with um, Wednesday 13 and worked his tail off. I mean, those guys were doing like eight shows in a row and yeah. he'd have to set up his own stuff. It's like that guy roughed it like I did when I was younger. And he was like, you know, I, I just don't want, it's just not in me, Dad. I just want to go on and write. Then he writes everything. The man goes, goes from brutal death metal riffs to this, this great Liam Gallagher Oasis type stuff. He's brilliant, brilliant, you know, songwriter and, and musician and a sweet kid. He's just such a, a humble young man. So, yeah, I asked him. He said no. No. <laughs> and then that sucked. It's like, yeah. buddy, I'd like you to play. Yeah, Dad, I'm not into it. It's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so I don't know if it's, it's gonna. It's it's kind of between two people. Kyle Hughes, who's done the videos, who's a monstrous drummer. I love his playing. It's either gonna be Kyle or I was um, my drum tech, Journey's drum tech, who's been my tech for close to around fifteen years now. Steve Toomey, who has been my tech, and he actually learned to play drums sitting behind me, and at, at all these Journey shows, I've done over a thousand Journey shows, and and that's how he learned. So he knows my style. He plays my licks identically. It's like, 
Dang, bro. So I was thinking it's either Kyle or I'm going to get Steve and give Steve a shot. He was the one that played at Frontiers Fest with us and nailed it. He just nailed it with Jack and I and Doug. It was fantastic. So proud of him. You know, first first live show with us. And he was as nervous as I was being a front man. And he killed it. So it's good. It's between those two guys. We'll have to I'll have to sit down with Joel and Jeff and, and see what they think. Right. Yeah. Well, we haven't spoke too much about Jeff. Like what what did he bring to this besides, you know, just great bass playing? Like, did he bring any of his producing knowledge or anything like that to the fold? Or like I know Alessandro handles that, but you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jeff came in and it was kind of like a thing where the song's already done with Joel and Alessandro. And he came in and just brought his bass work. But he's a background singer too. And even though I sang on, on the record, seeing the backgrounds and as with with Alessandro as well as I think he brought I had a, a female singing on some stuff as well. Um and uh, he, Jeff just, I've known Jeff for years. And I know his work with, you know, a band called Cinema from Dawkins, of course. And, and his stuff with Foreigner, because we toured with Foreigner, Journey and Foreigner for many years. And he's the musical director there. And that guy is so knowledgeable. And I can't wait to have him put his stamp. I mean, he's playing amazing bass on the record. But to put his musical, you know, genius into these songs. And that's what this third record's going to be. Not the second one we did, but the third one. We're all going to get together with Alessandro in a room and write. And Jeff's brilliant. He really is. He's more than just the bassist. And, you know, he can sing like a bird and a you know, monster producer. He's great. It's going to be fantastic to put his mark on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, besides and I'm a playing... big talking fan, so, dude, it's cool as hell. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very awesome, man. Very awesome. Well, besides playing shows with these guys throughout the years, did you have any um, history with, with Jeff or Joel, like, playing wise or was it just straight just friendship yeah just being on the road together you know foreigner and and night ranger we did a tour of europe and the states as well and that's how we got to meet joel he was in night ranger and he was just tearing it up you know doing all the you know the jeff watson stuff i mean just blew my mind the cool thing what really impressed me about joel was um uh mick i had to leave the tour uh, Mick Jones had to leave the tour for some a medical reason. They had nobody to replace him. Nobody, you know, they're like, oh, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Joel, two days, two days of of learning the, the entire border set. And he went up and, I mean, put a nail in that cough. I mean, he nailed it, <laughs> nailed it. And we were like, damn, this kid, not only is he a monster player, but what a professional to come in with no rehearsal. Like, I think a couple of sound checks. And pulled off an entire 90-minute set and just blew our minds. And that's I had so much respect for him because he was so humble about it. And he was nervous, but he just, dude, it was unbelievable. And, and that's the first time I've seen a guy that, that could come in. I mean, I've been, I fortunately, I've done that one time, I think, when I was with Paul Rogers. I had to learn songs like that and come in and play with no rehearsal. Like, learned them on a, on a plane and played that night. But he came in and just just blew us all away. I mean, we were all standing there like, dude, you just, we were all bowing. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, and and such a professional about it. So I'd never seen anything like that before. And it was like, dude, you, you know, it was, it was when I found out that Serafino picked him and Doug had, had recommended him, Joel, to be the guitarist, <clears throat> that it was like, oh, dude, this is going to be incredible. Because he's a freaking wicked player. He's a sweetheart of a guy. That's another big thing. The chemistry with Jack and I and Doug was undeniable just brothers and friends and it was always fun um and with this it's like we didn't miss a beat thank god because you know you, you might get one guy that's like you know got the head this big or you know it, and none of that with this they both came in it was like well it's like being with jack and doug again you know great great chemistry uh great energy 
and and the playing speaks for itself, man. Those guys, you know, they're they're iconic players, you know, for our generation, just amazing players. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think I mentioned... owe those guys 20 bucks each for that, or they owe me something. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Friendship dues, man. Friendship dues. Yeah. <laughs> well, well you've mentioned Steve Perry a few times. Like, is that the comparison to him early on when you're singing? Did that bother you, even though he's like your favorite singer? Did you still kind of well, want to separate yourself at all? Or Well, it, the only reason I want to separate myself is because, you know, I don't know how long I can pull that off, dude. Right. I mean, look at Arnell. Yeah. I'm blown away at Arnell at being able to do this for 15 plus years and still hold it together and still stay humble and, and be the amazing vocalist that he is while running around like a psycho on stage. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, that's crazy stuff um, for me. I mean, I didn't mind the comparisons, but I, I, I knew it's like, oh, dude, I'm not even close. I mean, nobody is close to Perry. I, I don't care. I mean, I can I can emulate what he does. But he, you know, he's the originator and, and no, dude, I, I, it's hard for me to hear people go, oh man, you're, you're singing like Perry. It sounds amazing. It sounds a lot like him. I'm like, mm, there's nobody like that guy. I mean, it, I mean, we all know that. It's like, you know, it, it's the, the originator and the guy that tries to be like him, you know, and I, I would do anything to have that soul and that kind of phrasing and that kind of, you know, that heart when he sings the passion, bro unbelievable i can copy him not perfectly obviously i'm not even close but dang man he's i'm sorry he can, he can do no wrong in my book barry is a god will always be a god i would love love to work with him someday i would love to do something with him you know i doubt it'll happen but it would be like that's on my bucket list you know right. something right. happens to me i want to work with that guy <laughs> you know right. yeah have you had the pretty... opportunity to ever have conversations with him because i mean were you back in the band when the rock and roll hall of fame happened I was not in the band at that point. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that's when I that's when I had my my um, my issues. But um, I got to meet him when we got our star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and it was just like very nice to meet you, sir. Very nice to meet you, and that was it. Okay. You know, and I just stared at him. I'm a fanboy, so I was just like, wherever he went, oh, Steve Barry. You know, I'm a fanboy. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I would love to sit down and talk with him, and I hope he doesn't hate me. You know, that's one of the things I got. I mean, he must think, oh, you're just ripping me off, man. You're just a wannabe. And he's right. I am. I, I want to be him. I would, I'm would. i ripping him off, but I love him. He's so amazing. I'd love to be able to talk to him. I mean, he's a god, so, you know. It's pretty cool. Well, pretty cool. This is probably a dumb question, because I know you're a drummer first and foremost, but between Steve Algeri and Arnell, was there ever any talk about you taking over as the vocalist? There was talk about it, bro, but I, I was like, no, no. Okay. I mean, they're like, man, maybe we should get Dean up there. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that was, that was way, way early on. That was before they got Arnell. Um, you know, and Jeff was in the band, Jeff Scott Soto, another incredible vocalist, right. amazing singer. He was, he was doing his duties. And when, when they let Jeff go, they were like, well, maybe we should have Dean. And I think we all agree. I said, yeah, that's not my forte, man. It takes a special, special person to run a band. And you got to have that thing, you know, whatever that is, the charisma or the the moxie or whatever they want to call it. I buying the drum set all day long, dude. I can just go crazy, but I'm, it's scary. That's why I'm doing it with Revolution Saints. I'm gonna try my try my hand at it, and if I fail, I, I'm hoping that Jeff and Joel go, "Nice try, brother," but you know what? Get back there. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was great, but yeah, no. <laughs> so you know, yeah, I, I, it was a it was a minute thought. And a little bit of talk, but I I couldn't do it. I just said, yeah, that's not that's not for me, you know. 
I guess you could have cool. always yeah. pulled the, you know, Phil Collins or Don Henley type thing, but that's not really a melodic rock style deal with Journey. You know, you want a front man, right? <laughs> Dude, and that exactly, that's exactly right. And that's what I'm, I'm so impressed with Arnell. And even Jeff Soto, Steve by Jerry, they have that thing. They have that, you know, I'm, I'm just a, you know, awkward little kid that plays drums. I mean, that's just kind of what I was back then. I was like, just let me play. Yeah, it takes a special person, man. You got to have that vibe and you got to have that connection with the audience. And I'm scared of big places, big, big crowds like that. I've always been socially awkward, you know, like this talking to you is cool, you know, um, but to be in front of that many people is daunting. And I wouldn't know what to do. All it would take is one guy going, you suck. And I'd be like, <laughs> tail between my legs, go off the stage and just sing behind the drum set again. You know, these are there. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, speaking of, you know, playing drums and singing, I mean, I know you've obviously done background vocals your career, your whole career, and you've done Journey songs and stuff. Like, is that when you first started doing that, was it easy to adapt to singing and playing at the same time? It, it took a little getting used to. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a breathing aspect of it. Finding the breath, because not only are you, you know, you're singing, but you've got to have the air to, to do the licks. And Steve Smith's licks are not easy to do. I mean, he's doing a lot of killer stuff, dude. For rock bands, I mean, if you're going to be in a rock band and, and you want to have fun as a drummer, that's the band to be in. Journey is the band because Smith had the coolest drum parts and it was so effortless for him. So for me, it was like trying to find the air. Okay, when to breathe when I'm going through this lick and be able to, to sing this high thing right after that drum lick. So honestly, the drumming took autopilot. I knew the song so well drumming wise that I wasn't even thinking about it. I just knew where to go and knew where to be. It was all about, okay, find the breath. Okay, this is where I need to do it. I just hit this note and pull up and breathe that out and be able to sing it. So it became, drums were autopilot and it was all about focusing on breathing and singing the notes. And that's, it took me a little while. It took me I don't, a good a good month of singing, you know, every show and getting used to it. And then I finally found it. Like when I do Mother Father, I know exactly when to breathe, when to pull up, when to pull back. And, uh, you know, it would take a long time uh, to do a whole set like that. When we did Journey Through Time, that thing with Greg Raleigh and stuff, yeah. dude, we had a week of rehearsal and I had to find the air. Okay, where am I going to sing and where am I going to do this? So it was difficult. It took me a while to, to get, you know, it's, it's easy to do one or two songs, but to actually do an entire set playing drums and singing, that, that takes a lot of work. You really have to find, it's all about the singing and all about the air because you're projecting something. Drumming just, you know, it's just there. So. so it didn't, it wasn't something where you'd get into a rhythmic, like it wasn't hard to not get into a rhythmic style of singing, you know, because of the Well, drumming. you know, being a drummer, you know, that's the beauty of it. Perry was a drummer and he okay. is a drummer. So, you know, I mean, I think it, being a drummer, it, it really does help with phrasing. You know where to put it, you know, because you're you're laying down the beats. You know where the vocals go. You know exactly where they're supposed to be. So I think it was it was easy for me to just know where to place it. You would hear Steve sing, and, and, and you could tell he was listening to the rhythm section. He, you know, they they were bopping to him, and he was bopping to the, the you know, to the drums and and like dancing. It was almost like he was dancing with it. And and that's kind of what you gotta do. You know, you gotta have the beat, but you, you can know that's the beauty of it. You can phrase backwards and, and ahead of it and know where to put some some vocals because the drums are all about that, you know. I mean, being a drummer and a singer, Steven Tyler, another drummer singer, you know, you just know where to place it. And I'm still learning that, obviously. It's, you know, still, I'm a work in progress. So he's going to, you know, going to take some time. Those guys have done it for 30, 40 years. I've only been doing it for 10, 15. So, you know, it's new for me. So, yeah. me slack, people. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. 
<laughs> well, being, you know, Journey being your favorite band before you're in the band, obviously, as well. Like when you did the Journey in Time stuff, what was that like getting on stage with Greg Grawley for the first time? Dude, he's an icon, you yeah. know, Woodstock, all that. So, again, here's Dean, fanboy. Yeah. He signed Richard. I still am in awe of Greg. I, yeah. What a wonderful man. What a great man. But, dude, his vocals and his talent, just, you know, playing the earlier stuff was so much fun. I actually liked that more than I did doing the, you know, the stuff when, when Perry was in the band playing drums because I could play it and watch Greg sing and the way he plays things. And and the songs are so cool. And we just hit it off. Greg and I hit it off with Neil as well. It was like, a, you know, the triumvirate, you know, it was really cool. So us playing together, it's still an honor to work with him. I, I'm I'm hoping that maybe Journey Through Time will do some shows. I'm not sure. You know, obviously Journey is the priority. And um, we're always going to work with that. Uh, maybe do some corporate shows with Journey Through Time. But I loved doing that. It was so it, humbling to me, you know, to have Greg Raleigh, you know, a, you know, Woodstock guy, you know, and Neil, you know, just that, that they were Journey, man. Those guys started that. So to be a part of that was was really cool. I'm hoping maybe someday we'll do some shows, but obviously Journey's the priority, and and uh, I'm grateful to be here with those guys, man. So grateful. You know, when you you did those shows, like what was the what were some of your favorite songs? Like the deep cuts you guys did. I love Mystery Mountain. Um, uh, of a Lifetime's really cool. Just got a cool vibe with it. I mean, all of those tunes when Greg was singing, you know, the hustler nickel and dime, there's a lot of cool drum stuff. Ainsley Dunbar, what an incredible drummer. So, and he has a completely different style than, than, you know, Smith. He's very, you know, that old British, that British drumming style, the Mitch Mitchell, you know, that kind of vibe, almost swingy type, you know, Ian Pace, uh, Ainsley to try and pop his drum stuff. That was another thing. I had to really listen to his stuff and analyze, well, what's he doing there? And it's such a different thing that, than American drummers or, you know, you know, any any other drummer, that British sound drummer-wise back then was was so killer. Because they it was a rock thing, but they they made it swing, dude. Ian Pace, another, you know, the, one of those guys, you know, Ian's the king of rock swing. You know what I mean? He made that stuff swing. And it felt great, man, you know. So trying to cop Ainsley style, it, it was so cool. So that older stuff was a challenge for me you know it was, it was really cool to try and, and emulate that that vibe that 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 style that feel so when it comes to ansley or steve smith like when you started playing that stuff did you instantly like you said try to emulate their styles or did you kind of put your own flair on it as well or well i think you know what like with smith if it isn't broke don't fix it smith's parts are perfect ansley's as well i mean so i, I what i tried to do was cop their feel you know, what, where, how, did, how is he doing that? The ghost notes that Ainsley used. It was like studying that stuff. And, and for me, it's like I would never try and put my style into it because the songs were so perfect the way I So I tried to do them as much as, as I could like the records, like they were recorded. I, I try not to, to butcher part, Steve Smith's parts. They're, they're timeless and they're perfect. So for me to put my style, I mean, I'll throw some things in here and there, but I stay true to what Steve did. You know, because they're perfect. And I think the fans want that. You know, there's certain drum like they want to, they remember, you know, and they don't stop believing. They want, they want those certain things. So you can't deviate from that. And I wouldn't in any way. They're just perfect parts, you know, um, easily as well. You know, I wanted to stay true to his style, especially on those songs, because that's what Greg's used to. That's what Neil's used to. And that's what the fans are used to on those, those songs that, that easily played on. So that's what I tried to do. You mentioned Neil Sean a minute ago. Like when it comes yeah. to your guys' history, you've been in Journey now for 
off and on for nearly 25 years, 20 years, probably of time, like going back to bad English. How did you guys first connect to start playing together? This was cool. I was actually playing with Tony McAlpine. You know, Tony Shredder. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, going into rehearsals one day and uh, I walked into the rehearsal room and Tony hadn't gotten there yet. And it was Neil and Mark Robertson, Tony's keyboardist. And they were just screwing around. Right. And I walked in and of course I'm in shock. And I walked in like, Neil Sean, I'm freaking out inside. Just go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I get behind the drum kit and he goes, well, let's just jam. So we started jamming. Neil started doing riffs and, and we started playing, just having fun. And and, and he goes, well, let's, what about this riff? What would you do with this? And I'd play something and he's like, man, that's great. And he goes, do you know the journey stuff? I said, oh, bro, do I know the journey stuff? I mean, I know every journey song. <laughs> and we started playing journey stuff. And we kind of finished up. I shook his hand and he walked out. And I'm sitting there with my tech freaking the hell out. Like, God, dude, I just played to him. I get out, go on the payphone, call my wife. Oh, my God, I jammed with Neil's on. I mean, I'll call the family. <laughs> go back in the, in the rehearsal room. And, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, the door opens. Neil's like, hey, come here. And I did, you know, stupid. as I, I looked at my tech. Is he talking to you or me? Because we're you. I'm like, okay. So I walk out. I get in his Ferrari, which is the coolest thing. Another thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in a Ferrari, you know? He gets a cassette tape. He plays some songs. He goes, you like this stuff, man? I'm like, Great, dude. And he goes, well, I'm going to do a solo record. And he goes, I'd love to have you play on it. I mean, I'd be honored. So, you know, he gives me the cassette. And about a week goes by and he goes, calls me up. I'm in a home in Oregon. And he calls me up because, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to uh, sideline the, the the solo record. I'm going to go down and play with John Waite and John Kane and Ricky Phillips. And uh, they want me to, you know, come and audition, basically. I see how it sounds. He goes, I wouldn't do it unless I brought you down. I'm like, oh my god, bro! <laughs> so that's how that happened, dude. It brings me down there. I fly down. I'm in this gorgeous suite in this hotel. I'm like, oh my god, I made it, you know. And um, a bunch of drummers had tried out. They had like 30, 35 guys they had, had worked with and tried out. I was the last guy they brought in. Wow! And they just they 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 went in and said, you know what, we're gonna go with this. And it, you know, that was it, dude. That was history. I was in bad English, and like number one songs and touring. It was like. Oh my God, you know, unbelievable. And and I've been with Neil ever since. I mean, he's taken me everywhere with the exception of my three years with Ozzy. He took me everywhere he went and I owe him everything. I mean, that man, if it wasn't for Mike Varney first, getting me into, you know, into to San Francisco to play with Tony and then Neil finding me, you know, and taking me out of there. Um, I'd have no career. I really, you know, it was Neil. Yeah. Jesus Christ and Neil, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just very grateful, very grateful. dude. I owe him everything. I really do. Yeah. yeah. I still, I pay him a lot of friendship dues. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> more than 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah, definitely, bro. It's definitely more than 30. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I absolutely love both those bad English albums. And I mean, do you have a great, I mean, besides obviously what it led to with Neil, like, do you have a great experience memory of that whole time? I had John Wade on the podcast about a year ago and he, I tried to get him to talk about it and he did a little bit. He was kind of dismissive at all, you know, and <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't a big fan of it, and he was such yeah. a, an integral part. I mean, he sold that band. That boy's voice sold that band. I mean, yeah. bottom line, the songs were there. But John, man, he made that thing shine. Um, for me, it was all a great memory, dude. I can remember when the, the when I see you smile was number one, and they you know presented us with the little number one black selling a million just on on when I see you smile, and then. Uh, I got my first gold record that night too, where they had a big banquet for us. And I was in tears, man. I call in on my, on the payphone again, you know, calling my, my mom and dad and going, dad, I made it. Mom, I made it. I did it. You know, I cannot believe that I did this. 
and, you know, so all of it was amazing, dude. It was, it was everything was a first for me. And I think that, you know, John and, and Neil and, and John Wade and Ricky, they got a kick out of it because they saw this little kid from Salem, Oregon. Just everything was like, God, and they're probably giggling like, oh, geez, man, look at him. He's just like, you know, kid in a candy store. It was unbelievable, man. Just unbelievable. So I got to give glory to God for that, man. It was an unbelievable time for me. And I'll never forget. I remember everything, everything about that time, dude, everything. <laughs> the, the biggest, the biggest thing in my life, really, you know, yeah. career wise. Pretty amazing. Throughout this interview, we've mentioned a ton of great, amazing musicians, you know, whether yeah. it be bass, guitar, singing, everything. You know, you've played with so many amazing musicians throughout the years. Steve I is another one of them. Like, is there anybody that you haven't played with besides Steve Perry that you would absolutely? Oh, yeah. Paul Stanley, I got a <laughs> I, Corey Taylor. Okay. I'd love to work with Corey someday. I don't know if that'll ever happen. And, you know, I, I've met him a few times. The sweetest freaking man. And in my opinion, he's a genius. I mean, just the, the, the books he's written, the spoken word stuff. I mean, he's just, he's a brilliant artist all around. I would, I would give my eye teeth to work with him, you know, even in his, his little solo band. I always wanted to be in Stone Sour. I loved Stone Sour. Yeah. Um, uh, that, um, Corey Taylor, I, I'd love to work with Elton John, Paul McCartney, James Taylor. Those are the guys, man. I would, those are the, the guys that I'm someday before I die, I would love to do something with, with, with you know, all of those guys, if that ever happens. I, I you know, Paul McCartney's an untouchable, Elton untouchable, Corey's, they're all untouchables to me, man. You know, and I'm a fanboy. So those are the guys I would love to work with. But if there was one that's accessible now, I would love to get all the Corey and say, dude, just let me play drums on a record or a song or something. I'd love to do something with him, you know? Yeah. Or have him guest sing on a Revolution Saints song. I mean, he'd be sick, just sick, you know. So yeah, that's about guys, it. Yeah, the guy's like created his own kind of empire, pretty much. You know, he's so. a badass. I mean, bottom yeah. line, just I mean, you know, the Slipknot stuff was unbelievable, and he he's amazing with that. But I love what he did with Stone Sour and his his new solo band. I just I think the guy's just so well rounded, and he's got his head on his shoulders. He's got a good solid head on his shoulders. Feet are on the ground. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't believed the hype and um, he's brilliant in my opinion. He's just brilliant. So if you're watching Corey, you're listening, dude, let me play. I'm, I'll pay you. I'll pay you to play on a song. <laughs> Whatever it got. Friendship dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a kind of out of the blue question compared to everything else we've talked about. I've skimmed through your Wikipedia the other day just to see if there's something I didn't know about. And something uh -huh. jumped out at me is I'm a big big fan of Fear Factory, and oh. you played you played drums on Soul Hacker, which is probably my favorite Fear Factory song of the past 15 years. Oh, so, dude! Thank like, you, how man. did that whole thing come about? <laughs> well, you know, I I worked with GZR. I was a drummer yeah. for GZR, Geezer's band, right. and Burton was the singer, and yeah. that's worked out great. And when okay. when it came down to Burton, you know, I said, dude, I would love to do a song, but I said, you know, please do something that's not like wailing, ripping fast double bass because I'm not Gene Hoagland. I'm not Raymond Herrera. I don't have that anymore. I used to, you know, 25 years ago, but, you know, I, I don't have that speed anymore. So I said, if, you, if, if I'm going to do something, give me something that's got a nice groove that I can just dig into. And they sent me Soul Hacker. I was like, oh, dude, I, I can do this. And I love, I don't know if Dino programmed the, the demo drums, but the, the, with the hi-hat thing, I had to go, how in the hell is he doing that? You know, but I, I figured it out. But I love the drum beat on that, and I emulated it the best I could. And 
that was just that was an honor as well, dude. Because I I loved the you know the Fear Factory records that I listened to. Man, D Manufacture was my first you know introduction to them, and I was in Italy, um, and I I grabbed the record and I was just instantly sold, just instantly. The riffs and and Burton singing, and of course Raymond's drumming was phenomenal. So yeah, huge Fear Factory fan, dude. So that's how that came about. Bird asked me, I did it. I did it for nothing. I said, dude. I'll do it. I'll pay for the studio time. I'll do this. Just let me play. And it worked out great. Thank God it's a song that's not too... I couldn't do that. I just can't do that anymore. I'd love to, but I, my left leg doesn't work like it used to. Dude. I'm almost 60, so it's it's a little harder to do for me now. Yeah. I'd have to work a couple months to get that that stamina and speed up. It comes in bursts. Like, that's about it. It's like, oh, oh, I'm tired. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I'll do maybe a verse. That's it. Just loop it, guys. Just loop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gene Hoagland's just like a freaking machine. It's like, how does he even do something? <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you, you know, he's, he, I mean, Joey Jordison, those yeah. have me. He rests in peace. I love Joey. What a sweet guy. Um, but Gene, man, he's taking it to the next level. Those guys, all those guys, man, just amazing. You know, Dave Lombardo was was a pioneer, and I, I'm a huge fan of his as well. Those guys, back when I could play fast, you know, when when Slayer was first coming out, we did some shows when I was in Wild Dogs playing with with Slayer, and I'd watch Dave and just go, "Damn, man, those feet!" You know, I just wanted to cut them off and put them on my own. You know, he's just amazing. You know, fast, and so you know. Those kind of play, players are just, you know, they've taken the medal to the next level. They really have. I mean, those guys, I mean, I love Joey because Joey reminded me of like, uh, like a metal version of Neil Peart, Steve Smith, Bozio, all wrapped into one and in a metal package. Joey could do anything. And Gene's like that too. I love his intricate, you know, the double bass stuff he does, but he does some really cool intricate, you know, handwork as well. He's a monster, dude. Way out of my league, dude. I can't, I've been playing Don't Stop Believing for 20 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it, it would take me a while to get back to that that speed, that level, but right. those are great. Those are, you know, they've, again, they've taken it to the next level, man. You really have amazing players. Yeah. You mentioned a minute ago GZR, and I was a, I really loved those two albums, and I like, kind of wish that had a little more, you know, legs to it, you know, something else, you know, went on from it. And I remember yeah. GZR actually had a show in Tulsa and it ended uh, up getting canceled, I think, or something happened to someone in the band. Like, and I can't remember whoever was open and ended up playing like headlining, but. What, what um, was, was that a recent thing or, or way back when they first started? Yeah, in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was, if I was in the band, cause I only did, we did shows, <coughs> excuse me. We were opening, Corn was opening for Ozzy, and I had just gotten tanned from Ozzy. Uh, and Geezer was still on the road with, with Ozzy at the time. Corn was opening. So GZR were doing shows with Corn on their days off. They would go do club gigs, right? Uh, along with being on the road with, with Ozzy. And GZR would open it up. And that's how I got to meet, you know, Head and Monkey and all those guys and, and Fieldy. And, and it was great. We did shows with them. It was unbelievable, dude. That's that was so much fun. I think we did maybe a month with them. I think doing those those little club gigs, but God, it was so much fun, dude. It was so much fun. And I remember we were gonna, you know, we were doing the second record, and um, you know, we had to get. You know, Burton was torn. He was like, dude, I don't know what to do here. I got, I'm, you know, they're just Fear Factory is just starting to happen. That was just before Obsolete came out, I think. And that's the one that went gold. You know, that's when yeah. they started blowing up. It's like, I, I can't leave that band. I can't leave. That's my baby. I'm like, dude, follow your bliss. Do what's best for you. I mean, we wanted to do GZR and we wanted him to be in it. 
it's just like, you know, it would have been wrong to say, no, you need to stay with us. Screw, you know, Fear Factory. Thank God he didn't. Thank God he made that choice to go, you know what? I'm staying here because it paid off for him. It really did. And me at that time, I mean, after GDR, I was like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, what's going to happen? And I got the offer to go play with uh, Vasco Rossi in Italy, which was the greatest gig ever for me, man. Um, most amazing. I was ready to quit after getting fired from Oz. I was going to quit. I was so disappointed, so depressed. It's just bad. I mean, I mean, once you're an Aussie band, you're at the pinnacle. You get shit canned, pardon my language. And, you know, it's like, I have not, well, I might as well give it up. I, I'll never get another gig. I, I didn't see the big picture. So I went to Italy for a year and worked with that guy, Vasco Rossi, and did everything in my power not to do that gig. Asked for an exorbitant amount of money so they wouldn't choose me. But they wanted me so bad. I said, well, I want 10 grand a week. I want to be flown first class. I mean, just made unbelievably diva demands because I knew they'd be, oh, no, we can't do that. But they did it. They took it. I'm like, shoot, now I got to go do it. So I went and did it. It was the best gig I've ever done, dude. I mean, next to Journey, the best gig I've ever done. And um, that was right after that, you know, uh, within a year after playing with Bosco for those, I think it was a year, uh, two and a half years I played with Bosco. And then Neil called. They said, look, we're doing Journey, and, and Steve has decided not to be there. Steve Smith isn't going to do it. If you still want to do it, I'm like, are you kidding? I get to play with you again. Yes, dude, let's go. So, and, you know, rest is history. Here I am, you know. Thank God. Thank you, yeah. Jesus. Still doing it, you know. Very cool thing. Well, that Very first cool. show with Journey, and that was like 98, right? With that, when you started with Journey? Like, yeah. with that, that first show getting on stage, was that like a fanboy moment as well? Dude, not only that, we did. It was called the Friends and Family Show, and and like Steve Smith was there, and 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 all the Journey alumni, all the crew people, everybody that had been involved in Journey, Herbie, and all those guys. You know, Steve wasn't there, Steve Perry, but Steve Smith was there, and I was so scared, bro. I mean, you know, when I got that gig, I went when I they first said we're going to do it. I said, "Can I come to your house, Steve? Can you show me?" I still don't know how to do "Don't Stop Believing." I'm like, I'm thinking it's like this, you know. I didn't know. I, I didn't realize it was open handed and they didn't have YouTube back then. In 98, there was no YouTube. So I'm like, yeah. so I went to his house and he was gracious enough and kind enough to show me the parts that I needed to, I wanted to hone in. There was a few songs that I want to make sure, you know, uh, one was, um, uh, uh, da, 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 frontiers was one. You know, and I was like, what are you doing? He showed me, and he's like, he would slow it down and show me. Don't stop believing again. It's like there's three different patterns here, Dean. So you know, and you're doing an open handed. I had to learn how to do open handed because I'd never played open handed before. You know, where the hi hat's going on with the left hand, and you're you know doing all that stuff there. I thought it was like things. I thought that's how I thought he was doing it. I had no idea, so he had to show me. Then the best part is after I learned the songs that I, I needed to hone in on, he started just playing. We were like jamming and he wiped the floor up with me. It was so amazing, man. I'm like, <laughs> how do you do that, man? What are you doing? He was trying to show me the Fred Gruber stuff that he had learned. You know, some of the symbol work where he almost like a figure eight. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. Just go slow. And I was like, I'm ADHD, dude. So I was very impatient. Like, just slow it down really slow. Steve. And he's like, trying to show me he was so patient. I was like, no, dude, you're, you're on a different planet. I can't do that stuff. <laughs> he's, he's a God to me. He is too. He's, in my opinion, and, and I, I, it's definitely, I, nobody can dispute this. I don't care. They can try. Smith is the best overall all-around drummer on this planet. He can play anything. Not anything, dude. Oh, I'll play a metal song or I'll do, you know, anything. He's the best player and he's my biggest influence. Even though I don't, I don't really, like outside of Journey, I don't really play like him. I can't do the stuff he does. I can't. I'm a rock drummer. I'm the product of the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. I'm a rock guy. 
but he can play anything, dude. He's a god to me. And, and he's, he's become a dear friend and a brother. And I love him. I love him to the day I die. And I call him up. We call and talk about drums. And he sends me his new vital information stuff. I'm actually picking it up. I think it's coming out May 8th. So anybody needs to buy the new vital information. It's unbelievable. It's going to be great. Anything Steve does is great. So buy it. <laughs> he owes me 20 bucks now. You're going to end up making a lot of money after this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, maybe I can go to the movies by myself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, you awesome. you returned us to, to singing, you know, in the studio for Journey this past year with Afterglow. Was that, you know, yeah. after a couple albums of not having a song, like, was that yeah. something that you brought up or did Neil bring that up or how did that come to be? Dude, this is awesome. Good story here. It was my birthday. Oh, I, I was turning 57. I think it was 57. Yeah, I'm 58 now. Yeah, I was 57. And Neil calls me in the morning. He's like, dude. I need you to do some backgrounds on this song. It's, it's going to be on the Journey Records. You're going to be on the Journey Records singing. Because I want you to do backgrounds on the song called Afterglow. Can you get a studio? So I literally called up my buddy in the studio and said, dude, I need to I, I need to do this song for Neil. And, and can we Zoom it? Do a Zoom thing. Have the camera up so I can see him and he can see me. He goes, well, I've got a session. I go, dude, this is for Journey. It's a Journey record. He goes, okay, I'll cancel those guys. Something, something happened. I said, good idea. So <laughs> I drove up there. And I did all the backgrounds. There's like three vocal uh, parts, you know, stacked. You know, a high one, a mid one, and a low one. And I did all three stacked three different times. So all the backgrounds are me singing backgrounds. You know, all the, you know, all that together forever. All of that is me. And then he goes, you know what, dude? Just for the hell of it. Why don't you do a lead vocal? Here's the lyrics. Just do a lead vocal for the fun of it. it you know, see, you know, we, I don't know if it'll make the record. You know, I have to ask Arnell and John if it's okay. Uh, but just do one. And I did it, and Neil guided me, and 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 um, through the whole thing. This is why I want you to sing, sing this, sing it like this, and do this part like this. I did the whole thing. It took me about I don't know two or three hours, and 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 it came out amazing. And Neil goes, you know what, man? I love this. I think this is going to be good. Let me make sure it's cool with John and Arnell, and we'll just keep it on the record. And thank God I got John and Arnell's blessing. And, and they put it on the record. I'm really proud of it. You know, it's very raw. There wasn't, a, they didn't do a lot of fixing. So I hear stuff and go, oh God, I, oh, I could have done that better. You know, I'm really critical of me singing anyway. So, but Neil's like, nah, dude, we didn't fix anything. It's raw. It sounds like you just going in and singing. It sounds great. So there's some stuff that's out of tune, a little funky, but I'm really proud of it. Cause it was, you know, that was my birthday present. Here, dude, you're on a journey record. Happy birthday. Freaking <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that was you know my my wife at Didi my my girl right now she's like my wife she was like well it's your birthday do you really want to work on your birthday I'm like um Johnny's on yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the record and he's gonna be amazing yeah. so you know yeah I I love you know I don't I know freedom didn't get the traction it deserved you know I, a lot of people kind of have just kind of dismissed it the record label kind of dropped the ball it seems like but dude there's some songs on there I don't know if you've heard the record. There's some stuff on there that's unbelievable. Really great stuff. You know, Narda, what an amazing drummer. Another iconic monster freaking player. You know, playing with him and 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 being able to do some shows with him and then having him produce it. Randy Jackson on bass, come on. I mean, that was the greatest birthday present ever, bro. Come on. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm like, it's okay, honey. We'll go do something tomorrow. You know, let's go hang out tomorrow <laughs> for my birthday. But today, it's journey day. Right. So it worked out good, man. Thank God for Neil for giving me a chance and Arnell and John for allowing it. Very yeah. cool. Very cool, man. Well, with these 
50th anniversary shows going on. And like you said, maybe some, hopefully some Rev Revolution Saints shows later in the year. Like, is yeah. there anything else we can expect from you throughout this year? Or is that going to keep you pretty busy? That's going to keep me busy, dude. I don't really, I, I think for me, the, the less I have on my plate, you know, working on sobriety and recovery and stuff, it's important that I keep the plate pretty clean, pretty open. Yeah. Uh, if I get too much, I get overwhelmed. And then, you know, it's, oh man, a drink or, you know, oh, do this. And so for me, it's like, I want to keep busy, but I got to keep it. You know, I, I think three projects right now is enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I'm doing good with just those three. It's really important for me now after I, I got, you know, clean and, and, and started, you know, becoming, working on my spirituality more and being a better human being and, and, you know, working with Jesus Christ for me, it, it's really important that I, I stay focused on family, man. Cause I, 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 you know, when I was using and, and drinking and, and being on the road, I gave them no time. You know, it was either, well, I'm on the road, I'm working. I'm off the road, I'm going to party. So, you know, it's like playing catch up now. And and my amends now is to, to, to make it a living amends. You know, I'm going to give you as much time as I can. And, you know, not only my dad of four kids, I'm, excuse me, I'm a grandfather too, man. So I got two grand boys, you know, and, and so they, you know, they're taking up my time and it, I love it. You know, so when I go home, dude, as much as I can, I leave my drums. I don't bring my work home with me unless it's something, okay, we're doing, getting ready for a show or we're, we're getting ready for this or I'm doing a record, but like, I don't go home and practice a lot. I sit down and play a little bit, but I got to focus on my family, man. Cause I abandoned them. I neglected them for a long, long time. So it's all about going home. Family is it, bro. Family and my dogs. I've got two awesome dogs. So two little Frenchies are freaking rockers, man. I love them. So, um, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, that's it, dude. I'm a family guy. I just stay home. I don't go, I go, I don't go to clubs and I don't, you know, hang out in, in, in places in Salem, my hometown. You know, I just, I stay low. I really lay low, you know? And funny thing is, is when, when all my stuff happened, all this stuff happened, I found out who my friends really were. And a lot of those people, 90% of the people that were in that town that were hanging out with me and drove for journey, like disappeared. So I realized, you know what? I don't need the fake adulation, you know, the fake, oh, the trophy rock stars with me. And I just, you know what? It's all about family now. And and because I know that at the end of the day, when crap hits the fan and things are at their worst, they were the ones that stuck it out. They were the ones that said, you know what? We know this isn't you. This is you on drugs, dude. Bad news. You need to wake up. So they're, they're my constants. And they are going to be there all the time. So I give them all my time when I'm at home, man. I've had enough of the the fakeness and the leeches and the, yeah, with the drummer journey. That was my name for years, dude. Hey, this is the drummer journey. Like, yeah. My name is Dean, you know, and that was my identity for so many years. Dude. And so, so for me to go to the treatment and realize, you know what, when, when people ask, aren't you the drummer for journey? It's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm not in that band anymore. That was a big step for me because it was all about that. You know, that was, you know, the bravado and partying and, I realize, you know, that's not who I am. That's my job. That's how I make a living. That's how I'm going to get my son through college. That's how, I, you know, I love doing it, but it's not me. So for that to happen was a huge thing. So now it's just Dean family, man. I do stuff with family. Don't have a lot of friends at home, you know, because they weren't friends. <laughs> I found that out the hard way, man, the hard way. Funny thing is, is when I got back into Journey, they all came back. They, I, It was like somebody turned the switch on. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I love you. God bless you. But I'm staying on. Uh, that ain't going to happen again. I learned my lesson. So very cool. Sorry about that. It went off on a tangent there. But yeah, it's all about family now. It's all family. That's great. Yeah, I'm so, so glad to hear you've turned it around and that you're back in journey now. And I'm absolutely loving the Revelation Saints new album. And I, I 
appreciate you know you taking the time with me today. This has been great, dude. You know what? Keep my number. Um, I you can get it from from John, but keep my number when we come into town again. I mean, I know we're going to be back here next year. I can off the record, I can tell you who we're going to be touring with. This is going to be unbelievable. I, I can't say it here, but okay. uh, yeah, dude, you got it. It's going to be a stadium tour, and it's going to be unbelievable. And I will hook you up. Next time, man. If I had I known you were in Tulsa, dude, I would have brought you and the whole family. Because like I said, I got a nephew in Tulsa, and that's it. And he couldn't come because of the, the the tornadoes and high winds that were going on around there. It was pretty – I heard you had some pretty rough stuff, huh? Yeah. It wasn't as bad yeah. as, like, Arkansas and everywhere, you know, east of here. But it was – yeah, it got pretty – it got pretty windy there. But. Yeah, my nephew said that they, he works on some docks out there. He's a construction guy, and he works on the docks on some river or, or lake or something. I'm not sure where it is in Tulsa. But he said, man, the damage was pretty severe, and he couldn't make the gig. So his wife had, came to the show with a, a couple of her friends instead. But but those are the only people I know in Tulsa. So, dude, <laughs> you got to hook me up. I'll hook you up, Trent. Get your, I appreciate get your that. You got it, me, man. You got kids? You got family? No, I'm divorced yeah. and no kids. <laughs> Hey, that's still a good thing too, man. It's not right. a bad thing. But I've got <laughs> a great work, family and a work. lot of friends, so you know, not complaining. You know, <laughs> that's that's not a bad thing. And look, what you get to do, man. What a cool thing to do for a living. I get to interview rock stars and people that play music. That what a great, cool, you know, that's yeah. a good gig. Yeah, it'll be worth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely, man. There you go, Dean Castronovo, a journey in Revolution Saints. A huge thank you to John Freeman of Freeman Promotions for his continued support of this podcast. And a massive thank you to Dean Castronovo for hitting me up there on Zoom and talking about all kinds of stuff there for nearly an hour. Great conversation, fun time. Absolutely honored to be able to talk to Dean about everything you heard us talk about there. You know, all over the place. From James Taylor to Fear Factory. That's what I love about Dean is that, you know, I assume in... You know, he's a fan of metal because he's played some metal. He's mentioned some in there. You know, he's a fan of Corey Taylor. So, you know, in the same sense that I am, I appreciate the fact when people love super heavy stuff, but then also love super melodic stuff and then love, you know, your stuff like James Taylor and Elton John, you know, some of the all time classics. You got to love music for, for music. If it's great, it's great. And I can't think you can find many people that fit that bill of great more than Dean Castronovo. So, very, very cool. Very happy to talk about all that stuff we did. Hoping that we can see some Revolution Saints shows later this year, like you talked about, and maybe more going into the future, because Jeff Pilson, like you mentioned, you know, has been the band leader of Foreigner for several years now. And Foreigner is on what they are calling their final tour. You know, everybody talked about that recently with a couple other bands but not going to go into that you know everybody says that but foreigner you know i kind of believe it might be true because you know they're at the point now where they're touring without any original members mick jones comes and goes you know he stepped away because you know he had some health issues but he gets the chance to show up and play a show here or there so they still have you know the founding guitarist and writer with mick what I'm trying to get at is with that should open up Jeff's you know schedule a bit. He still does tons of stuff on the production side of things, but hopefully that'll lead to the chance that we can get more Revolution Saints shows in the years to come. And as you just heard there, Dean said they've already got a second album with this lineup in the can to probably drop next year, and they've already got a third one written and ready to record. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And the fact that 
they do this stuff and it doesn't sound like filler, that it's just the tagline here for Thunder Underground that me and Jason used to always say was hashtag all killer, no filler. And Revolution Saints have now released four albums, well, they've released three. They're about to release the fourth that are all killer, no filler. They've done it with the help of Alessandro Del Vicio. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. And he's someone I've talked about on this podcast many times because we've interviewed a lot of artists that are on Frontiers Records. And Alessandro produces most of those albums. And he's a co-writer on a lot of them as well. And he plays keyboards on a lot of them as well. And he's got his own work that he does. This guy is fucking phenomenal. I've never actually went and looked at like his Wikipedia or his credits or on anything, you know, just to see everything that he's ever done. But just knowing the things he've done, he's done in the past five to 10 years is astonishing to me because it's not just like someone that's out there. I'm continually working just to work. He's continually doing it and doing it at a high level, you know, and I guess it helps when you surround yourself with guys like, you know, Dean Castronovo or Joel Hoekster or Doug Aldrich or Jeff Pilson or any of the countless other bands he's worked with, Iconic being one of them, that Joel Hoekster is also a part of, which I got the chance to talk to Nathan James from Iconic last year. And speaking of that, if this is your first time listening, I am greatly appreciated. We've talked to many artists throughout the years. If you've missed everything prior to this episode, you got 374 episodes you can check out. One of which, like I said, being John Waite, the vocalist. Longtime solo artist, but he was the vocalist for Bad English with Dean and Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane. Also had on Vivian Campbell from Def Leppard and Dio. Had on Gene Simmons of Kiss, Bruce Kulick formerly of Kiss. Several guys from Megadeth, including their current bassist, James Lomenzo, and their founding bassist, David Elfson, has been on here a couple times. Frank Cannon of Tesla has been on here four times. Damon Johnson of Brother Kane, Thin Lizzy, and now Leonard Skinner has been on here six times. Brian Weed of Tesla, Joey Allen of Warrant, Robert Mason of Warrant and the End Machine, which he's in that band with Jeff, Jeff Pilson. Just look at all this kind of intertwining thing, all these guys, you know. Six degrees of rock and roll is pretty easy to do, you know, with a lot of these guys, so... Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Shooter Jennings. You know, jumping genres there for a second. You want to really jump a genre? Genre. Vanilla Ice has been on here before. You want to get a little bit heavier? Because, you know, we talked about some heavy stuff there with Dean. We've had on guys from Down, Crowbar, Tapo Negative, Helmet, White Zombie, Super Joint, Testament, Death Angel, The Black Dahlia Murder, Dark Tranquility. Huge long list going there. Glenn Hughes, one of the greatest musicians in the history of the world, in my opinion, has been on here. Michael Monroe. R.J. Hill from Hellstorm. Josie Scott from Saliva, the original vocalist from Saliva. And very recently, we had on Greg Upchurch, the drummer for Three Doors Down. I could go on. A couple guys from Killswitch Engage have been on here. You know, the list is long. Like I said, 374 episodes. If I want to list everybody, it would take us 30 minutes. So I'm going to stop right now and tell you to check that stuff out. And as far as future episodes, next week, Phil Lewis of LA Guns is returning to the podcast. He's been on here before with Tracy Guns. He's going to be on here by himself this time. We're going to talk about LA Guns' brand new album and a bunch of other stuff with Phil. Such a class act. Such a great dude to talk to. 
He's one of those musicians that you always hear positive things about from fans and from people that interview him or talk to him. Just one of those great dudes of rock and roll, however else you want to put it. You know, fine people that you get the pleasure to talk to throughout the years. So look forward to that. I've also got an episode coming up with Jason returning. This will be his fourth time, I believe, returning. Am I thinking right? Yeah. Yeah, fourth time returning, and we are doing a tribute to Gary Rossington of Leonard Skinner, who passed away earlier in March. So that episode will be coming up here in a couple weeks. Got some other stuff in the works, but there you go. Follow us on the socials, on all the socials. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to them on the on the website, thethunderunderground.com. You can also listen to the podcast directly there on the player, or you can listen to it pretty much any po- anywhere podcasts are heard, like Spotify, Apple Music, Mixcloud, SoundCloud. The list is long. Just Google Thunder Underground Podcast and it'll be right there. Speaking of Ozzy with Dean Castronovo, this just now popped in my head as I'm speaking. I don't know why this didn't come up. This is totally baffling me as I'm thinking out loud. Dean Cast, you know, as we've talked about throughout the years, me and Jason talked about a few times and a couple other times when people ask the name Thunder Underground was just a name we thought was cool because it was the name of an Aussie song on Osmosis that Dean Castanova played on. So there you go. Look at this. How cool is that? I don't know why I didn't think of that and bring it up. You know, he brought up Ozzy working with Ozzy, but... And I wanted to mention Osmosis, but, you know, we kind of started talking about other stuff. So maybe next time I'll mention the song Thunder Underground that led to the local fanzine that Jason and I started in the mid to late 90s here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Which once that died out and we went dormant, then we came back around 2000, I think it was 2012. 2010, 2012, we started doing stuff on Instagram and Facebook. And then about 2015 is when we kicked off the podcast portion of Thunder Underground. And speaking on that, we are just about a little under, a little over a month away from the eighth year anniversary of this podcast. Crazy to think about. Just wild. Anyway, with all that being said, I'm going to wrap this up. Once again, a massive thank you to Freeman Promotions, Dean Castronovo himself, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, Med Farm, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. I don't know anybody in Tulsa. <laughs> no, I got nobody, man. That would have been cool. Dang. Thunder Underground, y'all.